Well, there's revival taking place in America, and we have been talking about it, and it's been in the news now for several days, and it is uh, reverberating around the country. We're excited about it. We think that this is a a tremendous thing. It's amazing how um, college campuses have been criticized for so many things, and rightly so, I would say, in, in, in most cases, when it comes to things that are immoral or things that are non-biblical. So all of a sudden, here we have on a college campus a breakout of people seeking God and praying and weeping and travailing and repenting and rejoicing. And, and with all of that going on, there are other universities, biggest universities in America, some of them, and they are coming and bringing students there to be a part of what is going on. This is an amazing thing. This is a wonderful thing, but it is not a new thing. And this has been going on where God <coughs> spoke to people uh, for many centuries and where they were moved by the Spirit. And we want to talk about that a little bit today, about being moved by the Spirit. Some of this terminology has become almost uh, strange in so-called Christian churches that have lost um, a a lot of the concept of of everything that's involved with worship. So where is the line where you don't go beyond in worship? I mean, there are lines that you don't go beyond in worship uh, that churches have gone beyond before, and they would call it part of their spiritual worship uh, uh, relationships between men and women have in some cases under the guise of worship have become immoral and illicit and so forth. I mean, there I'm just giving extreme examples that there are guidelines, but where do those guidelines fall? And who is the arbiter to determine where those guidelines fall? Because you have churches that are extremely formal and no one hardly moves during the entire service and are known for being this way and pride themselves somewhat in being this way. Then you have services that are very uh, uh, loose in celebration and in worship and in thanksgiving and in fellowshipping while they're worshiping and in joy. Uh, so what would happen, for example, on in this case, the university campus of Asbury University, if it broke out into a joyful dancing and singing and worshiping with abandon until everyone in the room is just involved with dancing in the spirit and jumping for joy, what would happen? Just saying, what would happen if this took place? Because when you get in the Bible, <clears throat> you see, we're here again. We judge things from our Western mindset, and we just assume, which is, which is kind of a prideful presumption, but we do it subconsciously, that what we know is best, that we are the, we're at the top of the pile in terms of proper judgment of everything, and it's endemic to the hubristic nature of, of humans, of all of us, to assume that if somebody says, I've got a problem, I want you to tell me how to solve it. It's like, I'm the guy. 
and <clears throat> we most of the time are not the guy or the gal. But but the truth is is that we want the challenge. We we have this overconfidence in our ability, and so when someone begins to worship, we feel like we are the people that should be telling them how they should worship. Well, we're doing that, though, whether it's right or wrong. We're doing that from our Western mindset. When you go back in the Bible and you just take the time to carefully look at how they worshiped and and even what the Hebrew words for worship were, and what the definition of those words were, you will find that those people worshiped very enthusiastically. Now, that may not match your present-day denominational attitude about worship. You may feel like it's something to be looked down upon to worship like they did in the Bible, but I would gently say who are you and I to judge what's right in worship, our opinion or our habituated um, way of looking at something from tradition or the Bible itself? Is it possible that I'm not looking at it the way the biblical writers looked at it simply because the era I'm living in is characterized by knowing things by detachment instead of knowing things by engagement of the whole person. So now there's more words than what I'm going to show you here, but here's just a, here's just a a few uh, Hebrew words that were used for worship in the Old Testament. And this is my anglicized uh, way of pronouncing these words. I'm sure that there are some different accents in Hebrew. I did not feel like it's important for me to go look it up in the Hebrew and get all that right. You can do that yourself. But uh, here's, here's, some, here's a word for worship from the Old Testament, and it is yada, Y-A-D-A-H is the transliteration. Uh, and it means to extend the hands in a throwing motion to extend the hands in a throwing motion. And so here's somebody, do you see anybody in your church worshiping like that, extending their hands with a throwing motion, worshiping God, I love you, Jesus, I love you, Jesus, I love you. What if 50 people were doing that in your church? What would be the response to that? Now, I'm not, I'm not condemning. I'm simply saying, because there's many ways to worship God, but I'm simply saying, do we give do we give precedence to ways of worshiping that are less disruptive to our cognitive side, or do we understand the therapeutic value of the whole man being engaged, or woman, the whole person being engaged, the whole individual being engaged in worship? Do we understand that? So this this is one of the ways that they worship God, folks, in the Bible, is that they, there was this motion of throwing the hands while they are worshiping, while they are praising God. And probably there was a little forward and reverse thrust of the body with that as they are worshiping God. 
So you want to, I mean, this is, this is just for our consideration today. We're doing this in consideration of what people are saying about um, the outbreak of worshiping God at Asbury University in the chapel service there. Uh, that has been going on now for a long time. And the residue of it will go on for not days, but for years. And people's lives will be marked by a move of the Spirit on their life in a way that will never leave them. It will change them for the rest of their lifetime. These are the, these are the things about Christianity and the idea of engagement and the idea of uh, the dynamics of encounter and relationship that should not be overlooked. And can you receive what God's really got for you if these things are not engaged? Pretty important and pretty interesting discussion. Here's another Hebrew word, uh, which is a worship word, barak, to kneel and to bless abundantly. To kneel and to bless abundantly. So to bless abundantly is not, I bless your name, O Lord. I bless your name. That's not very abundant. That's pretty parsimonious, actually. But to, to bless abundantly. So what if somebody's on their knees? They are Barak, but they're also Yada. So they're on their knees and they're worshiping like this and blessing abundantly. What do you think about that? Bless abundantly, blessing abundantly. What are you doing right now, Dr. Wilson? I am, I am trying to get America to understand and anybody else that's listening to understand, to break out of this little kennel that we live in in terms of our worship because there's things about God you can never know till you break out of that. And I'm showing you that these are biblical examples. These are the words that were used for worship in the Bible. So before you let that that human mind, <laughs> that presumptuous human mind loose to say, well, I don't think, j- just stop and say, if this is what they did in the Bible, it must not have just been a tradition. There must have been some merit to this in terms of relationship to God, relationship to self, relationship to others, and relationship to life. There must have been some merit here that the wisdom of the Bible knows about that, frankly, I don't know. And so maybe we ought to start turning the way we worship. Maybe we ought to take the Bible would be kind of a good idea for a person who attests to be a Christian. Seems like a logical idea to me. Okay? So here's another worship word. Shabbat. Shabbat. You're going to love this one. It means to address in a loud tone. Shabbat. So let's combine the three. The, The person's on their knees. The they're 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 doing barak. The person is doing yada with a forward throwing motion. Now I don't think they go in and say step one, get on your knees. Step two, do a throwing motion. <laughs> step step three, address in a loud tone. But but when when a person gets in the spirit, these are natural reactions. When the spirit touches a human being. These are the words that were used. Some of them were commands to worship this way, but others were, they were uh, natural responses to an emotional compulsion and, 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 a, uh, and a cognitive compulsion to worship in spirit, affective, 
and in truth, cognitive, John 4, 24. So all of this goes into the worship. And I think personally that people need to break loose from these restraints that has been self-imposed by self-consciousness, by personal pride, by uh, tradition, uh, by telling them it's the wrong thing to do. Look, it's either you take their word or we take the Bible's word. And so it seems pretty obvious to me what we ought to take. And, uh, and I think most of you would, I hope you're saying, as for me and my house, we'll take the Bible over some opinion or some tradition or something that our, our uh, grandpa told us. Okay, so here's another word. I'm, I mean, the, I won't go on all day, but uh, halal. Halal, which is in hallelujah. Halal. So it means <laughs> to make a show or boast and to be clamorously foolish. That's the definition of halal. Oh, well, I'm not going to. Uh, I mean, I'm just not going to let myself do this. Well, just let me ask you, what do you think about this? Okay? You see people going crazy there, jumping up and down, throwing their hats in the air, whatever they're doing here. What do you think about this? That is a ball game where one team won and one team lost, dramatically won, somebody dramatically won. And they're doing this. But you don't think anything about it. As opposed to, what do you think about this? Where you have people who are equally excited, and maybe more so, but they're excited to worship God that way. So this guy throws his hat in the air, and it's like clamorously foolish, and we think nothing about it. This guy jumps up and down and, and, and clamorously, foolishly worships God with all of his heart in a loud tone, and he's just lost in it. And we, we declare it to be out of order. So if, you, if any of you in the Asbury University Revival are listening to me today, don't let anybody tell you that you're on the wrong track by worshiping God with everything you have. Now, I read it at one time that in, in contrast to what I, I'm saying today, uh, and more work needs to be done on those, on those words. There's, there's some rich stuff there. Um, so tune in tomorrow, tune in tomorrow, and we will have a Hebrew scholar here on the program tomorrow, a Hebrew scholar that will take these words and along with Dr. C's, they will discuss that and break that down even further than I am today. But there's one more thing I want to touch on today, and that is, is uh, the Bible says in the book of Luke, uh, chapter something, 10, I think, uh, maybe verse 21. Anyway, somewhere in your Bible, you can find it. It says, and Jesus rejoiced. And Jesus rejoiced. So I had somebody, when I was talking about this one time, said, well, you can't find any place where Jesus ever did all of that. Well, so I, I just started looking a little bit. And um, sorry, but not sorry, but you can find where Jesus did this. When the Bible says Jesus rejoiced, that word rejoice includes 
to exalt, to exceedingly rejoice. And it also means to jump up and down. Jesus did not have self-conscious restraints about what everybody thought in how he rejoiced in what God was doing. So if you feel like jumping up and jumping up and down, and you feel like throwing your arms, and you feel like worshiping God, and you're in the Holy Ghost, and you're celebrating, one of those meant to celebrate, and you're doing all those things. Look, you don't need to feel backward about that. Now, I don't know what your church is going to think when you're in worship service and the Spirit of the Lord just is overwhelming to you and you just give him everything. You'll have to figure that out. All I'm telling you today is is that in a revival where the Spirit's really moving, you see people move in this direction. And the more they get in the Holy Spirit, the bolder they get to worship God no matter what I think or no matter what you think. And when we see that, we shouldn't automatically reject that. That is biblical. Those things are biblical. In the very foundational documents of the church, the ones that are at the core bottom brick of the foundation of the Christian church, they thought they were drunk. And the apostle Peter had to straighten the crowd out. He said, these men are not drunk as ye suppose. So, all you college students, worship on and don't let anybody stop you.